been mm-hmm. audited. Welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. I'm Alan, and I'm here with Trent today. We're so glad to be with you on this uh, week. We're recording the week of Thanksgiving, so I know we're all excited about uh, eating turkey. Hopefully, we won't be a turkey, but um, anyway, we are glad to be with you recording this week. And, you know, Trent, we're thinking about Christmas. We've got all these things. We're, we're thinking about our new year. million things going through a pastor's mind right now. But one of the things that we're always thinking about is what what is the health of my church? And we usually count that in traditional ways through, you know, how many people are there and all these other kinds of things. We want to talk today about the metrics that that really matter and maybe kind of how we change our perception on that a little bit. We talk about this a lot, but we want to talk about mm-hmm. it specifically today. Yeah, I think this is a good topic for us to, to think about. Um, because we all, especially when a group of pastors get together, but I've been surprised to find out when, when lay people get together and talk about their churches, we paint, we paint a picture of our church by the numbers. And so it got me to thinking about, Alan, I don't know if you ever did this, but when I was a kid, one summer, I went to spend the summer with my aunt and uncle in Lubbock, Texas, and and they bought me one of those paint by numbers kits. You know, you're painting a horse and you have all these different colors and little numbers inside the, the canvas. And, and so it got me to thinking about, you know, we do, we do that with our churches. We do a paint by numbers with our churches. And so we're going to talk through that a little bit today. <laughs> That's really good. You know, now you can do that on your iPad or whatever. They actually have paint by number apps that you actually really and you point at the number and it paints it that color and it seems kind of weird to me but it's what <laughs> it's what's out there there's an app for just about ev- everything that you could do um today but i do remember those uh those paint <laughs> by number kids those are those are pretty good you're right you know ch- people assume certain things about a church based on its size, whether that's a pastor, whether that's lay people. And, you know, our experience now that we're not only with pastors, we're, but we're visiting with lay people. And so if we ask if someone goes to goes to church and they tell us that they go to one of our churches that we work with, you know, you can automatically see assumptions coming out about the other churches we might talk about. So I certainly have seen that um, in this role as well that people do make certain assessments about a church strictly based on superficial numbers yeah well and, and we need to say from the outset that comparing is very unhealthy because um, god has placed your church where it is on purpose for a purpose and you've got different things um alan said something before we started recording today that um, your context determines what your metrics need to be. And I, I really think that's so true. But, you know, it, it, we can't compare because we're different. God placed us as different groups in different places. And and so that is not healthy. And, and so we don't want you to get hung up on the nickels and noses. But there are some things that I think that are important for us to think about, maybe as we think about the numbers. Yeah, when we think about numbers, Numbers have changed an awful lot over the years in every part of life. 
you know, they, they even did a movie about Moneyball, which was yeah. an attempt to express some of the different metrics that they're looking at in baseball today um, mm -hmm. beyond, beyond just the superficial stats. You know, it's one of those things where maybe the story doesn't give you the complete story. The same thing would be true, for instance, in football. You know, sometimes a quarterback may throw an interception, but it may be because the receiver tipped the ball up in the air and then it, and then it was intercepted. And so the quarterback is penalized in his statistics for a receiver's error. You know, so now they have metrics about drop, drop passes and other things like that. So this is not uncommon for us to really need to do a deeper dive um, into the metrics that we look at because that that is important for us to not just paint by the numbers but to really look beyond the numbers to what really matters mm -hmm. yeah and, and we're we're all so insecure i'm learning this more and more the more folks i deal with and and our insecurity that causes us to want to say hey you know big things about our church or for pastors especially and wouldn't it be refreshing for us to not get hung up in the nickels and noses, but to, to, you know, and not to have to blurt out, Hey, mall, my church is doing this. My church is doing that. You know, instead just, just listen to others and, and be encouraging and reaffirming. And then, you know, have God show us the things that are healthy about our church. And we're going to talk through some of those things that are unhealthy to measure. And some of those that are healthy to measure. Yeah. So, Obviously, the first place everyone always goes to is how many people attend your church? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, sometimes we'll ask membership. <laughs> people really don't ask the membership thing today because there are some churches that have a lot of dead people still on their rolls because they never <laughs> take anyone off. But but attendance. So what mm -hmm. are you running? What are you running? You know, and that is that is kind of the obvious place where we really start the comparison situation yeah yeah it really is and and you mentioned members i gosh i i think church membership is an important deal um and so i know we probably have talked about that some in the past but um yeah just attendance numbers we had a joke in the churches that i pastored that if we could ever we we had multiple congregations that that migrated through every month and if we could ever get all those congregations in one place, it would be amazing. But, you know, um, so attendance numbers that I know that we want to say, hey, they're great, but there's always somebody bigger. And so don't don't get hung up on that. Yeah, I think the other thing about attendance, too, is, is that it, it can be defined with your church's history, your church's location. Um, all kinds of factors, but there's an assumption out there that because a church is bigger, that it's healthier. And mm -hmm. that that is not always true. We've got large churches in our country that, that <clears throat> teach false doctrine. We've got we've got churches that run three or four hundred, but they've been in a steady decline for 10 or 15 years. We, you know, we've got churches that mm -hmm. are larger than the average church, but definitely unhealthy. And so that assumption that just because a church is larger makes it healthier is is far from the truth. In fact, you know, large larger churches, if they don't do the work of revitalization and being vigilant in their ministry and in their calling, they will oftentimes end up like many other churches and 
and uh, be in need of revitalization. So attendance, attendance is a myth that you're better yeah. because your attendance is better. When you think about that, Alan, don't, I used to, when I was a young pastor, thought, oh, you know, it'd be cool to be a mega church pastor and all that. The more that I get to know those situations and those people, the more I'm like, man, thank you, Lord, that I never had to suffer through that because there's so many things to deal with and can be some major issues all at the same time. Yeah, there, there's an awful <laughs> lot of different types of roles that changes as your church gets larger, too that changes your perspective on what it really means to be a pastor. And you're, you're really not as much a pastor as you are um, an organizational leader who happens to preach. And I know mm -hmm. that, that right. some that, that may sound cold, but it's a reality um, that we deal with in, the, in, a, in a time where you've got churches with 15, 20,000 people in regular attendance. It's just a different animal. It's also really hard to find someone who can handle that ministry and, and work in oh, that. Yeah. You know, I believe the average, um, the average um, time without a pastor in a mega church is up over three years now. So um, mm -hmm. that's gotta be a huge challenge for many of those churches. So we compare attendance. We also compare mm -hmm. ourselves straight up um, to other pastors. You know, maybe it's how they preach. Maybe it's something else um, about them, but we compare ourselves to others. Yeah, even how we dress, right? <clears throat> you want to go to a conference and you'll see all these pastors that they're you know, trying their best to look cool. Even us old guys, you know, trying yeah. to wear skinny jeans and cool shoes. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you tighten up the skinny jeans and you don't even realize how much is lapping over those jeans and uh looks pretty <laughs> looks pretty funny sometimes but <laughs> yeah definitely definitely an issue out there but we all want to compare ourselves i mean that's mm -hmm. certainly not uncommon for us to want to kind of okay what is the what is the standard but when we compare ourselves to other people we're gonna oftentimes fall short of not only our expectations but we're gonna we're gonna fall short of god's expectations for us personally as well because we're trying to be something we're not well and if we do that and by the way i've seen a lot of lay people comparing their pastor to another pastor and all that but if if we do that if we get hung up in that trap we are demeaning the greatness and the, the sovereignty of god um you know because <laughs> he chose he chose Moses, who couldn't speak well, to go back and get his people out of Egypt, you know. And so it doesn't it doesn't matter. We shouldn't compare ourselves. And I wouldn't want to go through the issues that some great pastors have had to go through and the things that, that God led them through to get to them to the point where they were where they were. Yeah, you know, it's funny that when we think of even, too, in the Bible, you know, we want to compare ourselves, too, to other biblical characters. But there's not a whole lot of people that say, man, I really wish I could be Jeremiah. <laughs> yeah, the weeping prophet. I'd, li I'd, like, I'd like to be in a pit for several days. Uh. I don't think there's many people who do that. And I think that's kind of how it, how it goes, you know. Or mm -hmm. we can also do comparison on the other side. Well, <laughs> look at this guy, you know. <clears throat> I've got I, I'm better I'm better than he is and he's at a bigger oh, yeah. church 
you know, mm-hmm. we, and we put both of them together that way. So there's yeah. some really unhealthy things that, that go along mm-hmm. with that. Right. Well, so that, you know, every part of church can be compared and it's unhealthy really to do any of those. Your music program, um, you know, that's been a big deal in the last 20, 30 years. Hey, we've got the best music program here. We've got the best music minister. And, uh, yeah, that can just be an issue. Youth and children's programs get compared a lot. Um, and so all those, I think, are unhealthy. Yes, it is. And one of the frustrating ones is probably dealing with the children's program when when you don't have much of a children's program and there's a church nearby that has a fantastic children's program. I see a lot of comparison going on there. Well, why can't we do that? Why don't we have the kids to do that? It can be a, it can be hugely frustrating, hugely challenging for a church when you're trying to compare yourself to them instead of trying to find out what's best for us to do going forward. How are we going to reach kids that the other church isn't reaching? Because I got news for you. No church is reaching everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And, and, you know, Alan, I've seen um, churches that are very rural um, and mostly senior being very frustrated that, hey, we don't have this massive church program, but there's no kids in the area, you know. And so give yourself a break. you know. Yeah, that's definitely you've (laughs) got to know your context. We come back to that. Your context Mm -hmm. matters. If you don't know your contact text, you're going to struggle. Um, to really come up with the right kind of metrics that help you do get an indicator of everything. Now, I do want to say, Trent, keeping track of your attendance is important. Keeping track of your financial Mm -hmm. status is important. You know, keeping track of your music program, your youth and children's programs, it's important. But if that's all you look at, you've only got the surface numbers. And so Mm -hmm. you kind of need to do a deeper dive and what are those things that really matter? And we talk about context, but context changes. You mentioned that you could be in a community that doesn't have kids. You know, it could be a senior adult community. We've got a, a growing number of senior adult communities all across the nation. You're not going to have a vibrant children's program there. So you have to temper your expectations if you're pastoring in a, in a place like that. We've got places where... Um, you've got maybe three or four or five or more languages spoken. That context is going to determine some of the metrics that you want to measure. So we have to think about everything based upon the context where we're at. So we obviously can't give everyone all their metrics that they need to think about. Right. Well, and just what to go along with what you're just talking about, I know some some gentlemen who are starting churches in Um, senior housing developments, um, you know, that are specifically senior adults. Um, And so you're not going to be everything to all people. You need, you realize who you are and the group of people that God has placed you to reach out to. I've even, I know some folks that are starting churches, not only in senior housing developments, but in nursing homes. And we're finding that 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 group is one of the largest unreached people groups in the nation. Um, you might think, well, no, that's, those people are all in church. No, there's a lot, especially in those nursing home senior adult developments that are never have, have been um, reached with the gospel of Christ. 
yeah, we forget that there's been a whole generation that has been raised outside the church that is entering their mm -hmm. senior adult years. I mean, right. we forget, we assume that everyone's had an opportunity and has heard the gospel, but yet um, we see more and more God reaching reaching um, senior adults in their last season of their lives. And that should be an exciting call in our ministry, not one that we push aside. So Trent, let's talk a little bit about some of the metrics that we can think about that are really important for us. And maybe these are a little bit more universal. So let's kind of pick on some that mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what your context is, but these are some metrics that really matter. Yeah, and each one of these, as we talk about them, keep in mind that the goal is not to use those to beat down somebody else, some other church, but it's for you to realize what your church is doing, if they truly are healthy, if they're doing all that God has commanded us to do. And so one of the first things is, have you, have you measured or counted out the people from your church that have been called out to ministry? May not be a you know a whole lot of people all at once, but over the years, have you counted out the people that have been called out to ministry from your church? Yeah, when I think about that one, that's a need we have right now, and mm -hmm. I wonder I wonder if we've stopped doing that so much. I think that's something that we actually used to count better um, than we do now, but we we definitely need to see a next generation of of spiritual leaders in in our in our culture today and we need to keep track of who's called out we also need to keep track of are we training those who are called out and how how mm -hmm. do we do first steps is that something you can do in your church is that something you need to reach out to a network or denomination or other other entity about how do we get them um educational training if seminary is part of that plan all those kinds of things that we can measure all those things so that we are calling people out. And I would encourage all of our, those who preach and teach, are you talking about that? Are you talking yes. about that call? Because mm -hmm. we need to do this. And if we do not see people called for ministry in our churches, the question is, what are we talking about? Because there should be this sense of calling that's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that, Alan, because when's the last time you heard a pastor preach on the calling of God, calling out people to go and serve? And, and unfortunately, I, you just don't hear it very much. But I've been meeting with a group of leaders from across our state on how to encourage this and how, you know, putting together next steps for people who feel called to ministry. And uh, I, man, I think this is so important. And I, I think we should, if we have not seen anybody called out in ministry in our church in a long, long time, then we should start praying about that. And God, ask God to give us um, some leadership and, and, and call people out from our church. So we have a couple of other things in here that would be similar, but maybe on a, a less obvious scale but that's new volunteers new teachers um in, in mm -hmm. our church life so are we calling out those who are equipped are we enabling people to use their spiritual gifts in the church i guess would be a good way to to phrase that you know how many people are serving in your church because we know the 80 20 principle we talk about it mm -hmm. all the time um, but what are we doing to help enlist new people 
to try to break that mentality, really. Yeah, and so this doesn't just fall on the pastor. This this is a whole church effort, you know, where one Sunday school teacher invites someone to come and join them. Hey, I'm I'm by myself in this class, and I could really use some help, and and I'd love for you just to come and see if this might be something you're interested in. Or somebody who's helping in the kitchen on Wednesday nights doing a meal for the children. And just inviting someone to come and be to laugh with you and help put out some food. And and so it's not just the preacher who's responsible for this. And I this is I think this is a great place to begin to look and see are people assimilating and are people catching the vision for serving in our churches. You know, one of the things I hear from many pastors today is, well, no one ever helps me. I have to do it alone. And I think one of my questions is, are you asking someone to help you? Yes. You know, you know, so if you're sticking around after a church, you had a church Thanksgiving meal and you're sticking around and you're the only one doing cleanup. And you're mad about it. Well, did you ask (laughs) anyone to stick around and help you do cleanup? Mm-hmm. You know, what I have found is that there's many people who want to serve, but they want to be asked. Right. And if you don't ask, they're not going to help. So mm-hmm. I think it begins with us of creating that culture, too, where we are not afraid to ask people to join us, which is what God does. God doesn't force us. He asks us to join him. And so that's what we're really called to do. We need to ask people often to to join us in service. Well, and. and- also, too, people who come into your church and they have not grown up in church, they don't know where it's okay. And and I've heard this phrase a billion times, it seems like, well, I don't want to step on anybody's toes, so I don't get in the way. Well, And, and so that's just a sign that, hey, we're not asking and inviting people to come join us because people don't know where it's okay for them to serve in. Now that's a good that's a good word there. So Trent, there's a, a couple m- more. Let's let's talk about um, hours spent in the community serving, because I think one of the things that we sometimes do in church life is we put all our measurements inside the four walls, mm-hmm. and we don't we don't measure the discipleship effect we have outside the walls of the church. And I think that this is a missed metric because I really think that that does a lot to speak to the health of a church. What is our church doing outside our own four walls? Uh, this is, I'm glad you put this in in this note because, you know, we do, we tend to think of only just those people who volunteer helping with Sunday school classes, Wednesday night, whatever. But there's a whole lot of people that because of the conviction of God are serving in um, groups to raise money for cancer in the community. There's a whole lot of folks that are, because they see all the negative things about Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, they're saying, hey, I'm going to go serve and I'm going to volunteer to bring an influence for Jesus Christ into those situations. And they're giving their time and they're, they're coaching little league teams and, and, and helping with business groups and, and uh, stuff in their town because they're serving out of a love for Jesus Christ. Yeah, so what if you kept track of the hours that your church spent doing that over the course of a week? I I would venture that that would put a little bit of excitement um, in your church to realize, you know, how many hours you're actually giving back to serving your community. And 
it makes service popular. It makes service exciting. And so, you know, I would encourage you to make this a metric. Start looking at this. How are we affecting our community in a positive way? I also think maybe hours spent in prayer um, mm -hmm. as a as a corporate body and in other moments, how, how are we measuring that? We we can talk a lot about the metrics that matter, and maybe the most untalked about metric is what we do when we're on our knees, because sometimes we associate prayer as not doing anything when it's the most important thing we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have no power if we have no prayer, that's for sure. Um, I love that. And and so especially these last two things we've talked about, um, you know, what you could do as a pastor that might be eye opening is to ask during a sermon, you know, a couple of Sundays in a row, say, hey, will you send me a text of where you volunteer in the community and, and how much time you give to that and, and just get people and you would be surprised, I bet that, you know, there'd be a lot of people and, and then asking them, hey, are you spending time in prayer? Send me a text or write on a note for me um, what what time you, you spend in prayer and, and how much time you spend on a given week in prayer. And it would be encouraging, I bet, because I think there's there may be more than we realize or there may be less than we think. And, and that would cause us as pastors to say, hey, I need to preach about this. Yeah, those are all those are all good things. So are we calling people out? You know, are we? creating new volunteers, letting people work out of their spiritual gifts and whether that be teaching or hospitality, whatever that may be, are we serving our community? Are we praying? And I think those metrics begin to get us into a deeper dive as to the health and vitality of our church. I want you to notice something we didn't put on there. We're not just counting converts. Mm, yeah. you know, what we're doing is counting the discipleship effect. And that's the metric that we need to count. You know, I grew up in a church that counted converts, but we didn't do a good job of keeping track of the discipleship effect that was going on. And I think today, especially with our younger pastors, they see the, the, the problem with the superficial numbers we used to count. And these are things that are harder to measure, but they're probably more impactful to measure. And all you have to do is look at the parable of the soils and realizing that counting converts isn't going to last because many of those people will not stick. They will not stick. And so you, you do have to count the discipleship effort after the follow-up that takes place and how those people are putting that into practice in their own lives. So good, yeah, good, good addition to that. So I bet, Trent, in the scope of all this talk we've had, we missed a metric that was probably right in front of us. So we want you to reach out to us. Let, let us know what we missed. Uh, hit us up on our Facebook or leave, drop us an email. Um, our contact information will be on the, in the notes of this today. But we'd love to hear from you. We are so grateful that you take time to listen to us. Today we're talking a lot about metrics and how we tend to paint churches by number, like those old little painting things that you used to get. <laughs> Grant, I think, has some on his wall in his house that he did. <laughs> Probably <years>. so. <laughs> but um, anyway, we are glad that you take time to listen to us. We we hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We hope you had a, 
uh, have a wonderful Christmas in store for you. And if you're lonely, if you're frustrated, if you're burned out and you don't know where to turn to, we want you to know that we're here for you. We care about you because we're here to see you and your church endure. And we want to walk alongside you. So thanks again for joining us. And we look forward to catching you next week.